Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. This week, we have an important update on the war in Israel. Michael Hoggard will share a special report from the Mutual UFO Network, and Dr. Larry Spargimino will have a special guest that will reveal the evil practice that some believe will grant them eternal life. Bringing clarity to all this chaos is only possible because of your prayers and financial support. Thank you. On Friday's program, author Von Schatzer began sharing a special Election Day message for us. He's back to finish sharing this important message. We are blessed once again to have Vaughn Schatzer with us. On our previous broadcast, we were visiting with Vaughn on his book, History of American Government and Law. In 1789, our founding fathers gave us a Republican form of government based on biblical principles. Since that time, we've been blessed above all nations. But after we've departed, we're sinking, sinking, sinking. And we're going to get into that. Vaughn, thank you so much for being with us once again. Thank you, Pastor Larry. I I love being on your program with all your astute listeners, and I'm looking forward to the interviews today. We have a lot to talk about. Well, Vaughn, you know, you impressed me with being a man of integrity, and you said something in our break between shows that you're about 70 miles from Washington, D.C. That's one way. But you said you wanted to make sure that this is true. You wanted to go to the Library of Congress to make sure everything you're saying is true. You want it verified. You wanted to look at original documents. And that's exactly what you did. Tell us a little bit more about your motivation behind that. Yes, thank you. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity to share. You know, when I became a Christian, the Lord completely changed my heart to be honest with everything I said or done, especially since he's given me a platform to speak on your program to really the United States of America and and even the world. So I wanted to make sure what I was saying was truth. And so when I heard some of this information, like uh, to give an example, the Holy Trinity case, that's a Supreme Court case from 1892, which I've printed in the back of my book, the entire, the entire, entire Supreme Court case, I thought, I better make sure that's true, because I heard about it uh, in a book, and I didn't know if it was true, so I drove the whole way to the Library of Congress and went in there, and I made a list of different documents I wanted that would prove what I was teaching and saying was wow. true, and I'd come out, there, come out of there with a whole big armful of all kinds of documents to prove all the things that I say in my books and I do on your program. So it's truth, and I have all this documentation to back it up, to glorify Jesus. Right. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that because, you know, I know a lot of people that I talk to, they they say, you know, when we talk about where we came from and about George Washington and the sodomite and on and on and on, Oh, yeah. that can't be true. Oh, that never <laughs> happened. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, oh, where did you get that from? A lot of people say and that. By the way, I have the book from the Historical Society of Valley Forge to prove that. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyhow, I appreciate it. It's kind of like 
the recent attack in Israel. You know, a lot of people say, well, yes. Muslims don't do that. They're, they're, oh, they're just misunderstood. Well, some Muslims are gentle, I will say that. But yes. there yes. are some who are murderous, satanic, yeah. devilish. We can't live with them. They're going to do this again. Yeah, so, well, you know, let me add just one comment to that. I have a copy of the Quran, and I've read the whole way through it. I have, too. And if you read certain of their surahs, they don't call them chapters. There's many places in there that talks about beheading the yes, infidels. Right. Don't make friends it, with it's Christians. It's all in there. Yeah, don't make friends with Christians and Jews. If That's you right. Do, if you yeah, do, you become Jesus one of them. Jesus was never crucified. Right. And I think even... Even on the mosque in Jerusalem, the Muslim mosque, in Arabic, it says God has no son. Yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> so, great. Well, I appreciate your, your integrity, and I, I just wanted you, you to say that for the sake of those listeners who may wonder, oh, this is not true. Anyhow, let's, right. let's go on. In your book, you show how our moral and constitutional foundations are being eroded. And you, and I agree with you, you say executive orders are certainly troubling. Executive orders give the president the power to act as an unaccountable dictator. Vaughn, isn't that un-American? <laughs> I mean, we, I thought we didn't have any dictators. <laughs> yeah, well, again, it's amazing. Uh, it's very simple. When a president creates a new law by executive order, our representative government is completely averted. Right. And any concept of checks and balances of separation or the separation of powers is no longer involved in the legislative process. Our U.S. Constitution grants no lawmaking power, excuse me, to the president or the executive branch of right. government. All legislative lawmaking powers is granted to Congress according to Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution. The bottom line is executive orders give the president the power to act as an unaccountable dictator, as you said. I wonder how many Americans know, Pastor Larry, how Hitler converted Germany's republic into a Nazi dictatorship in just three months. It was through executive orders, brother. Well, that is the danger. You know, our founders knew that human beings are depraved and and said we need checks and balances. That's the only way we can survive. And yet the uh, executive orders do do away with that. So it is is a real, real problem. Well, Vaughn, you speak about the Black Robe Regiment. It's obvious that the King of England was very much afraid of preachers. They could do England a great deal of harm and help bring independence to America. So this was the, uh, the Black Robe Regiment. Who were they, and why were they so powerful, and why was the King of England so afraid of the Black Robe Regiment? Yes. The reason that King George and, uh, and, uh, was afraid of these Black Robe Regiment preachers is because these colonial preachers opposed what was called the divine right of kings. Now, that is unbiblical, it's unscriptural, but that's what they they believed they were God. And they, they, uh, they got so mad because our preachers here in the colonies would not take a state license from the British government. Now, listen to this. These preachers would thunder from the pulpits, no king but King Jesus. And I want all of your listeners to know, (laughs) Pastor Larry, the rallying cry 
for the war for independence was no king but King Jesus. So there was approximately 3,200 Christian churches in the American colonies in 1775, and these large numbers was a direct result of the Great Awakening and the powerful preaching of Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield during the 1730s wow. and 1750s. Wow. Well, didn't they say something like rebellion against tyrants is obedience to God? I read that somewhere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yes. Boy, we we cut. We have a great, great history, and yet, yes. as I look at our country, we're throwing all of that out. One man in the White House who has massive cognitive problems, he won't even take a cognitive examination. Yes. Donald Trump did, and he, he passed with flying colors, but uh, the one we have now is afraid to yes. because he'll fall flat. And That's yet, right. <laughs> it's That's not right. funny, but it's it's tragic. And you know, Yes, it is. The Bible tells us, uh, Proverbs fourteen thirty four: righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And reproach means a disgrace. I yes. think in the sight of the most of the countries of the world at this time, America is a disgrace. How could we ever put somebody in office who is yes. so confused and who yes. is so obviously against the standards of the Word of God, standards that yes. made us such a great people. You know, if we yes. didn't fight in Europe, who knows, the French would be speaking German, and or That's maybe right. the Far East would all be speaking Japanese. And yet you today, exactly we, right. we look down on our military. We need our military. We need to encourage our troops. We need to stand yes. for them and not argue against them when they use force. And sometimes in the military or in law enforcement, force is required. This whole idea yes. of defunding the police a few years ago, oh. I never. <laughs> oh, I'm me thinking, either, brother. What happened to these people? Don't they know about sin and rebellion? Or now when some of the stores in California don't call the yes. police unless they, they steal more than $1,000 worth of merchandise. <laughs> oh, so if Kirk goes in, he's oh. got to bring his adding machine to make sure he doesn't break oh, the law. My. What oh. is happening to us? Well, let's, let's move on because this, yes. is, this is very, very important. Now, according to the Mayflower Compact, the pilgrims came to America, quote, for the advancement of the Christian faith and... Also, they were to form a, quote, civil body politic. The civil body politic was based on the duties and responsibilities of rulers found in the Bible. Now, how do the pilgrims actually apply biblical teachings to, for example, the qualifications for those who hold high office in America? Yes, well, they picked the qualifications. When I say pick, they took from the Word of God. From Exodus 18, there is uh, four qualifications for for biblical government and rulers in Exodus 18. We won't take time to go over all that right now. I want to get to voting and also elections and election sermon. Now, this is interesting what the pilgrims did. The godly pilgrims had a Bible called the Geneva Bible. Right. And remember, it had marginal notes uh, along the edge of the Bible. So we need to go back 400 years to the godly pilgrims, and they used what was called the biblical precedent of the hand vote. Okay, the hand vote. Now, let me explain that. 
All of your readers need to look up this verse a little later on, Acts 14, verse 23. It says, and when they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, ordained them every and ordained them elders in every church. Let me stop there. That word ordained is a different Greek word than where ordained is used everywhere else in the Bible. The Greek word is cheratornio, and it means to raise the hand to vote. So Paul and Silas ordained or had the people raise their hand when they voted for their elders. So the godly pilgrims took this biblical precedent of a hand vote from the Geneva Bible and put it into their civil government. So by 1624, the pilgrims had annual elections from the Bible for office of a governor and seven assistants. The hand vote was used in these elections. In 1633, the pilgrims used what was called an election sermon before they voted. Now let me tell you a little bit about how an election sermon worked. The government and the elected officials would appoint local pastors pastors to preach sermons on the day of election. These sermons would deal with biblical qualifications and responsibilities from Exodus 18 and Romans chapter 13. Every uh, representative and official had a copy for himself. The election sermon continued for over 300 years. Now, lastly, I want to describe how a foreigner from Great Britain talked about a election day. Uh, his name is Edward Kendall. Listen to yes. this. The procession of the governor of Connecticut, this is in 1807, was composed of a lieutenant, governor, assistants, and high sheriffs. The pulpit was filled by four preachers. Wow. One of them opened the prayer, the service in prayer. Another delivered a sermon and usually they turned the hourglass. Amen? <laughs> and the third made a concluding prayer, and the fourth pronounced benediction. Several hymns were sung. The total number of singer, singers were between 40 and 50. After all this, they voted, Brother Larry. Wow. You know, when you say that, what, what about the 1954 Johnson Amendment? It sounds like... Mr. Johnson didn't like all this. You <laughs> <laughs> are correct. It's called the Johnson Amendment. What had happened, uh, you know, Johnson was a, was a liberal Democrat, and when he was running for office, he found that his opponent had what's called 501c3 organizations, which were churches supporting him. So what he did, he attached what's called a rider to this Johnson Amendment without hardly anybody knowing about it. And, of course, all of Congress signed it without reading all of it. And so what it did, it put a muzzle on all of the churches, and it took away the freedom of speech. And they said, now, if you talk about any type of political activity, who to vote for, who to not vote for, and like the godly heritage that you and I are talking about today, they said that was illegal, and if you did that, the penalty was loss of tax-exempt status, and the result was a massive restraint of the freedom of speech. And guess what most of the pastors across America the last 70 years have done? They bowed down and obeyed it, and it's unconstitutional, according to 
to the First Amendment of our Constitution. We need to preach the whole counsel of God, and that includes Romans 13, that government is ordained of God. Well, you know... Sorry, I got a little fired up there. (laughs) This next one is going to fire you up more, because uh, from 1800 to 1864, the largest church gathering met in the U.S. Capitol building. The Sixth Congress authorized the Capitol to be used for church meetings on December the 4th, 1800. So doesn't that say something about this whole idea of separation of state and church? I mean, church Absolutely. and state, wow. Absolutely. It varies at 10 feet <laughs> under the ground. And what is even more impressive is, guess who passed this law? And this amendment to make the U.S. Capitol building a church for 60 years. Yeah, it, was, it was the 6th Congress and Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Jefferson often takes a couple of slaps. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't know what he really believed. And they don't know That's his right. heart. And so, as you point out, this was all authorized and pushed by Thomas Jefferson. That yes. the Capitol building, 1800 to 1864, would be used as a meeting house for the Church of God, for the people of God. Absolutely amazing. Well, you know, John Jay, the first U.S. Supreme Court justice, said that we are a Christian nation. He said, we should select and prefer Christians for our leadership. Now, unfortunately, in the last several years, we've had some some leaders in high places who do not, in any sense of the word, show that they are Christian and have Christian convictions. I don't want to sound unkind, but I do want to be truthful. We have some rank pagans in leadership today. Now, I'll probably get some hate mail from, from this comment, but my response is this. Just look at what pagans have done to our country. This is not America at its best. It is America at its worst. If we don't change very quickly, we will not be around as a nation much longer. Your comments on that, Vaughn? Yes, you know, appreciate you making that statement by uh, John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice of the United States Supreme Court. He was also the president of the American Bible Society and the president of the Westchester Bible Society. He was a strong Christian. Notice In that statement you read, he called America a Christian nation, and we should elect Christians for our rulers. That's the original intent. Listeners, please hear me. When was the last time you heard a Supreme Court justice say what we just talked about? You know, John Jay was once asked if it was permissible for a Christian to vote for an ungodly candidate. He said no. And quoted Second Chronicles chapter nineteen verse two. Shouldest thou help the ungodly? Therefore, the wrath is upon thee before the Lord. Right. Wow. Well, I, I think it's obvious that we are in desperate need of a return to the Word of God. Give us a few words about revival. Why? Why is revival so important in America, especially today? Yes, uh, Pastor Larry. You know that. That's where my heart is right now. We've had six weeks of prayer at, uh, at my home church, and we're praying for a nationwide revival. And I've said this many times. I want to say it again. Before we can, we can have revival in the White House, the Supreme Court House, or the Capitol building, we need to have revival in the church house. Amen. It starts with our, us, Pastor Larry. 
I think most of us know Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, right. if my people, not the people in Washington D.C., uh, and that, I think all of your listeners know the rest of it. We need to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. Then God will forgive our sin and heal our land, America. But do we have an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival Amen. where people repent? Christians, we're going to lose our nation, brother. We just can't keep going like this. And the judgment of God is already upon our nation. I really believe that. And uh, with those sombering words, we have to uh, call it quits. But thank you so much, Vaughn. Just a great book, History of American Government and Law by Vaughn Schatzer. Von Chatzer's History of American Education Collection is today's featured resource. Included in this special collection are Von Chatzer's book and DVD entitled History of American Education, Webster's Blueback Speller, and New England Primer and a pocket-sized copy of the United States Constitution. Order the Von Chatzer History of American Education Collection today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order on our website, swrc.com. The European Union is quickly moving toward a fully digital visa. Could this be another step along the pathway toward the coming mark of the beast system? Is our world being conditioned to receive the mark? Josh Davis examines these questions in today's One World Update. Today I'll share with you two recent stories that help set the stage for the coming Mark of the Beast system. And one story reveals the coming one world government, the other reveals the coming one world economy. We're witnessing the conditioning of our world to receive the future Mark of the Beast. Our first one world update story sets the stage for the Antichrist system during the Great Tribulation. The European Parliament recently approved agreements to digitalize their visas. What's their goal? Well, the EU released a statement saying, quote, this single EU visa on a unified platform will be a building block for Europe as a single geographical entity, end quote. These individual nations are erasing their borders with each passing decision. Passports are already a thing of the past between the EU nations, and a one-world government will require a one-world citizenship. So I hope that you see how our world is moving in that way. What will be required to get one of these new European visas? They are going to take fingerprint and facial recognition biometric scans to register all first-time applicants for this digital visa. And if you refuse to register your fingerprint or facial scans, and your visa will be denied. The Antichrist will eventually use a similar plan for the entire planet. The European Parliament is expected to finalize this legislation on November the 12th. They plan to begin voluntary use of the system by the year 2025, but they have plans to make it mandatory by 2031 or 2032. How are they selling this digital visa to the public? Well, in their statement, fear pressure, yes, you heard me right, I didn't say peer pressure, I said fear pressure, was used to motivate the public to get on board 
The spokesman said, quote, Europe is currently lagging behind our peers in digital visa procedures. With this reform, we will catch up and the whole process will become cheaper and easier for applicants. It will also make it harder to abuse the system, making the process safer, end quote. So this fear of falling behind in technological advancements is often used to motivate the public to get on board so that they don't feel like they're getting left behind on the world stage. Our world is witnessing a sort of technological arms race between governments. So the Antichrist will promise all the bright and shiny dreams of earth-shattering technological advances can bring with it. But he will also use fear to demand the world's citizens comply or else. And this story shows how our world is being conditioned for that coming time of great tribulation. The second story I want to share with you today is similar, and it comes from the world of business. Over the last few months, companies like Microsoft, X, the the company formerly known as Twitter, in other words, Google, Amazon, have added pass keys as an option to their account registration. This allows customers to sign into their accounts using a pass key instead of a password. So what's the difference in a pass key and a password? Well, a pass key uses biometric data such as facial recognition. It can also use like a PIN number to make the sign-in process faster and more secure. There's those promises again, quicker and more secure. And I don't know if you're like me. I, I like to create separate passwords for all the places that I access in the digital world. As I often say when I share these kinds of stories, this technology is not evil. Increasing digital security is a noble goal. And SWRC and Prophecy in the News, all of the branches of our ministry, utilizes all kinds of technology. We want to stay on the cutting edge so that we can advance the gospel as far and as wide as possible. So registering for a passkey is not the mark of the beast. Getting a digital European visa is not the mark of the beast. Christians should not live in fear of the mark of the beast. We won't be here to see the mark of the beast come on the scene. It's as simple as that. But I share these stories with you simply to help you to see the direction our world is moving. I want you to see the kinds of resources the Antichrist can muster to fulfill his devilish plans during the Great Tribulation. What happens when these resources fall into the wrong hands? That's the real question we're asking. So we see our world being conditioned to receive his end times system. Yes, we need to keep our eyes open to what's happening around us, but we must ultimately fix our eyes firmly upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember his words to his followers found in Luke 21, 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Von Chatzer's History of American Education Collection is today's featured resource. Included in this special collection are Von Chatzer's book and DVD entitled History of American Education, Webster's Blueback Speller and New England Primer, and a pocket-sized copy of the United States Constitution. Order the Von Chatzer History of American Education Collection today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, we begin a brand new series looking at the satanic ritual of the royal secret. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station. 
by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.